And so as good as vacation is, there is a time when vacation ends. I spend a great deal of time in the ocean. My sister-in-law will often say, if you're dumb enough to go in that ocean, if a shark gets you, I'm not even going to come to your funeral. It's not Tiff, by the way, so you can figure out which one that would be. But good times were had. Good times were had. And now that we're back, God had placed something on my heart. As I was praying a couple of weeks ago before we left, protect the God dream. As I was praying, just write it down, write it down. Protect the God dream. I didn't know what God wanted to do with that. I really didn't. I was thinking about protection the way that I was when Liam was young. There was a movie that's called Raising Arizona. You can get rid of that prayer when we're not doing it yet. And in this movie, Raising Arizona, the main character's name was High. And I remember that the lady, she had this baby, and High came running up, and he was all excited. And she's like, High, mine his delicate fontanelle. And I remember I was awfully protective of Liam's fontanelle, his soft spot in his head when he was a baby, maybe too much so. But when it comes to things of God, maybe I need to become more protective, he's been urging me. Maybe you need to look at it in a different way. Maybe you need to see it the way that God sees it. Last week, I heard someone speak out of the book of Nehemiah. And so this week, I began to read in the book of Nehemiah. If you do not know about Nehemiah, let me give you a quick recap. God's people had been taken into captivity. It was an exile. Nehemiah was a man who worked as a cupbearer to the king. He would taste food to make sure it was not poisoned. He was a confidant to the king. At a certain point, though, Nehemiah got word of what was going on back home. And I will be reading from Nehemiah 1.3 right now. Hanani, who he calls a brother, says this. The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province, so back in the city where we're from, they're in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And so Nehemiah, it gets in his heart and it gets in his head, and later he approaches the king and he says to the king, if it pleases the king, this is Nehemiah 2, 5, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you would send me unto Judah to the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. See, there comes a point in your walk, in my walk, where you need to understand that it's time. That it's time. Dino was telling me about a sermon which was preached at General Assembly. And it went something like this. As the church, it's time to begin to rebuild those things that once were. What do I mean by that? I mean, there was a time when stores weren't open on Sunday. Do you know why? Because of the church. There was a time when they wouldn't sell wine on Sunday. You know why? Because of the church. There's a time when conservative Christianity could determine the outcome of elections, both local and nationally. It's time to go back there. 
It's time to realize who we are, who we are called to be, and not to be influenced by society, but to be the influencers in society, to set the tone of culture, to set a Jesus tone in culture that hasn't existed for a while. And so the work begins with Nehemiah. But here's the thing. Whenever you begin doing a God work, the enemy is going to start making plans to try to stop it. That's the truth. That's the truth. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. So it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious, he was very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox was to go up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Give you a little history here. Sanballat and Tobiah, they were governors of provinces. They were serving under the prince of Persia. They were in a promised land that God was saying, it will be given to my people. It will be given to my people. And they do not like the idea that God does what God says he's going to do. And so they have an issue. When it comes to the enemy... He can attempt to fight against God's plan, but he cannot thwart God's plan. Here's what he loves to do. He loves to point fingers. He loves to point out what current circumstance is, and often he'll try to get in your head and he'll say, didn't your God say it would be like this, but look how it is right now. Well, here's a thing that he doesn't even understand. When he goes pulling that nonsense, what he's doing is he is speaking over the destiny that God already laid out. When he says, didn't God say it would be like that? Oh, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. But in this moment, what you need to do is you need to remember, what did God say? What did God say? Does it line up with his character? Nehemiah, that name, it means comfort of the Lord. What's wild about that is it doesn't say in the Bible that when Nehemiah stepped up to rebuild the wall, that's when he was given that nickname, Comfort of the Lord. It meant that the entire time. So when he was in captivity, it meant Comfort of the Lord. When he stepped up, it meant Comfort of the Lord. During the building project, it meant that. And when the final brick was laid down and the final door installed on those walls, it meant the same thing. I say that to the church because we need to take comfort. Now, sometimes we get the word comfort mixed up with relaxation. There is a difference between the two. I take comfort because I know what my God has said. I know what my God is going to do. It is no time to relax. It's time to hit the ground running. I need to begin to develop a joy in my faith. You often hear people ask, you know, what is the opposite of faith? And people would say, what? Unbelief. But truthfully, sometimes, and it was this devotion I read that brought it right home recently. It said the opposite of faith is discouragement. Hebrews 11 tells me what faith is. This passage tells me what faith looks like. Let me break it down in a simple way. Give me that picture of that dog. 
Somebody had this dog, and they have a skylight. The dog likes to nap in the sunlight. As you know, rotation of the earth and such, the sun will move. And so this dog throughout the day will get up, and he will move to different places. What faith is for us would be the ability to know when to get up and when to get into the light. What faith is not would be laying there in the darkness thinking it's going to warm you up. It is time for us as the people of God to step into the light, to stay in the light, to chase that light. As soon as someone steps up, the enemy back then and the enemy now begins asking, what do they think they're doing? What do they think they're doing? Do I smell hope in the air? What's going on here? The Bible says the enemies were indignant. Indignant. Angered or annoyed to the point where you feel like it's not fair. What wasn't fair? What wasn't fair was the fact that the enemy knew that they were standing to lose something when God's people stood up. Before Nehemiah, the enemy took a whole lot of their time. He occupied a whole lot of real estate in their head. Before that, but the enemy knows that when God's walls are going up, that his walls must come down. The first words of this passage, when the enemy heard... Let me tell you something because it seems really strange. And I'm going to get really real. I choose my words on how to get really real. We tend to think that God acts in secret. We tend to not want to open our mouths about the things that are on our heart that we're praying about that we know that God can do. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? I grew up in an age of unspoken requests. And I don't know what to undo with an unspoken request sometime. Because I need to be able, like if you're saying, we're going, what are we fighting for? Well, I can't say, okay, let's go. (laughs) But I'm saying that because God tips his hand. If we believe in the Bible, I have it here in my notes, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. If it's about principalities and power, if we don't wrestle against those things, why do you think they wrestle? I heard Steve Furtick say, if it has value, it's vulnerable. If the enemy can see that something is valuable, that's what he's going to fight for. So the truth is that when God is doing what God is doing, the enemy is aware of what God is doing. And so why don't we get real with one another and say, this is what I am praying about because this is what God's going to do. Truthfully. It is not a time to shrink back as a church. It's time to go forward as a church. Stace, I'm sorry with the notes. I'm doing what I'm doing. When it came to Sanballat, he did not have any authority. He possessed no authority to stop the work, even with Tobiah beside him. Why do I say that? Because the enemy will step up and he will get in your face. And in some way, you think that is a cease and desist. No, it's the enemy standing there. The devil doesn't run the permit department of heaven. 
If he steps up with fear, with intimidation, with naysaying, with criticism, with throwing your past in your face, all he can do is point. All he can do is talk. He has no power to stop what God is doing. Whose report will you believe? And another thing, it doesn't matter if the enemy's standing there, and it says in the Bible that the other guy, Tobiah, was beside him. It doesn't matter who the devil has beside him. If he says, oh, I'm here in the room, and you know what I got? I got a cancer scare with me. Oh, I'm here in the room. You know what I got? I've got depression with me. I've got anxiety with me. That does not mean that he gets a vote in the God situation. There's a thing when you take pictures now, little camera apps. It's called a filter, right? And it can change the way that things look. I take a picture of Nick right now, and I could put puppy ears on him. It's a filter. Don't let discouragement be the filter. Whatever you're looking at right now, do not look through discouragement at what God is doing. Because the extent of what the enemy can do besides talking is hold a filter in front of your face to say, see it this way. But that's not the way that it is. The title, Protect the God Dream. But here's the other part. This hit me hard when I was reading this. Nehemiah 4.6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half of its height, for the people had a work. They had a mind to work, it says in the Bible. It was down for decades. The entire wall, spoiler alert, was rebuilt in 52 days. So here they are at the halfway point in verse 6. Astonishing progress. But when that happens, that's when the enemy is going to double down. So if you feel like you're under attack today, it's because the enemy knows that you are halfway to the point God wants you to be. That you have made progress, that you're no longer sitting in the rubble. It's not time to draw back. It's not time to go back to Babylon. Here's a scripture we love in the church, Hebrews 10.38. Give me the beginning of that. Oh, man, we love that, don't we? Check out the ellipsis part. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. It's not time to draw back. When it comes to faith, faith is not, am I going to go forward or am I going to step back? I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to keep going forward. That's the way it's going to be. When it's halfway, the devil's going to put right in front of you, think of all the people who have tried this before and have failed. Think of the people who have tried to repair a marriage, oh, and it failed. Think of the people who tried to heal when they have been deeply wounded and look, it didn't work for them. That's what he's going to do. That's his game. But don't stop. Don't stop. I heard a story. It was about a young man. He was 12 years old. His name was Igor. Almost named Liam that. Igor Sikorsky. His parents said to him that people who were very wise, people who were scientists, had found out, they discovered that human flight was impossible. And so, years later, this young man invented the first helicopter. He had this plant where I'm assuming he made helicopters. And on the wall of this plant, it said, scientists had determined 
that due to a bumblebee's body shape and weight and the small amount of wings that it has to its body, that it would be unable to fly scientifically. But the bumblebee is not aware of these facts and that he flies anyway. And I feel like when it comes to all the things that the devil says to you, every reason it cannot happen, just say, my God makes it happen. Everything that says you can't go forward, watch me. Oh, what was that? I can't hear you because I'm over here. We need to come to a place in faith where we aren't just on the receiving end. But we are on the going forward end. That's how God empowers us. Bible says Sanballat was furious. Get real again, church. How many people have been going forward and have been stopped by someone in the church saying, hey, I just got to let you know, so-and-so's really mad at you. There should be a whole class in pastoring on that. I'm just going to be real. The devil will try to hold that over your head. Don't go forward. Somebody's mad at you. Don't go forward. Stay where you are. The God wall's going up, though. It's going up. The enemy wants to say to you, be quiet. Sit in the rubble. Don't speak up. Don't speak out. Don't do anything. Don't make waves. You just eyes forward. You can go to church, but don't try to change the world. You can go to church, but don't try to share your faith. You can go to church, but do not do anything that is politically incorrect. You can, you can, you can. Well, here's a statement. If God's word says it is a sin, it is a sin. Let me go farther to say this. That the same sin which darkened my soul that Jesus Christ forgave me of is no shade darker than anyone else's sin. And if the devil is a deceiving devil, it's time for the church to stop thinking. Again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So why is it that we will single out entire groups of people that are captive of sin and not just call it for what it is and not say that they need the same freedom that we needed? I say that because Jesus ministered in love, right, Dina? In love. And we can be as powerful as we want to be and roll over whoever we want to, but will they see the cross? Will they see Jesus Christ? Sanballat knew. Sanballat knew that God tips his hand. He knew that God does not hold back what he's doing. Don't stop halfway. Don't stop halfway. The enemy begins to get in their head, though, and check this out. They were halfway done, and four verses later, the Bible says, Then Judah, who was the strongest one of the bunch, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. This is four verses after you were halfway done, and now you're ready to give up. But there's a key thing here. In order for the church to rebuild, to go to those places that God calls us to go, we must get rid of the rubbish. I don't know how much more clear that can be. The idea that there are things, it's weird. Like with our kids, sorry kids if you're in here, but 
That's how pastor's kid thing works. We will attempt to clean their rooms sometimes. And we are like on a secret mission to get a garbage bag out. Because our kids will be like, that's not garbage. That's not garbage. No, it is garbage. It's a Burger King crown from five years ago. It is garbage. (laughs) We have this way, though, like even as Christians, when God is trying to take out the trash of digging through it and saying, but God, that's not garbage. I need to keep that. God, this is important to where you're taking it. God, it is time to get rid of the rubbish. How do we know when the rubbish is building up? Think back when you first got saved and every sermon felt tailor-made to your soul. Every devotion you read just carried you on a glory cloud throughout the day. You could not wait to pray. And now we get to a place where we don't want to hear that sermon because I don't like what they're saying. It gets on my nerves. I don't have time to pray like I used to. And when I read the Bible, I'm just not getting anything out of it anymore. That is the point when the rubbish is building up. Don't stop halfway. When the enemy cannot accomplish the task alone, he will do something. Because notice that all these verses leading up, you had this guy standing on the ground and he's just ripping on them. Just tearing them up. Mockery and criticism can come from the outside, from the enemy. But when the enemy really wants to get to us, he'll work us from the inside. Let me turn that a little more. The world can bark, and we expect it as a church. But when the enemy really wants to start tearing us down, he'll pit us against each other. He'll do it from the inside. He'll do it. In verse 12, chapter 4, it says this. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. And so while Nehemiah and the crew is building, this other crew who decided not to work would come and tell them at any turn, anywhere you go, any way you turn, they're going to get you. Anywhere you step, it says 10 times. Can you imagine that? After like the third time, I'd be like, wait, let me guess. Anywhere I turn, right? But that's how the enemy is. In your head, in your head. As soon as you're not focused on something, he's in your head again. But here's the truth. In times when I personally have just felt torn down, like I had a bullseye on me, God would whisper something to me. Those people that I just was talking about that would come, 10 times people, they chose to place their camp between where the work was going on and the enemy. And often God will challenge me and he will say, Where the criticism flies, where are they camping? Where are they throwing their tent down? Because the thing is, when you get between God's work and the enemy, you are going to echo the enemy. 
that in itself would preach because there are some of us who are in a place where God is saying, go forward, and we're saying, I can't yet. God is saying, go forward and do what I call you. I can't yet. And I'm telling you, you are either on the wall building or you become a critic. Those are the two ways when it comes to the kingdom. I have been on both sides of it, and I'll tell you what, one of them's no fun, and the other one can hurt sometimes. But I'd rather be on the one that can hurt sometimes and standing for God than to be the one pointing fingers. You learn from a young age, you can either be like Joshua or Caleb, or you could be like the other ten. Learned it on a flannel board. Learned it growing up. You can speak life or you can speak death. You don't know. Here's the thing on this side of it. I don't know where you are on your God journey. I do not know everything he has called you to do. But what I can do is throw a wrench right in the middle of it. I can bring my sour attitude and I could pull you down off the wall. And I would have no idea that I did it. We live in a time where the church wears its emotions on its sleeve so much, but it may be time to put our emotion back under our sleeve sometimes. And just for the benefit of those around us, build somebody up. If there was an alternate title, it would be, so the enemy heard you were building a wall. I say to everyone here that there is a Nehemiah in each one of us. Going to be ending, and I'm going to ask you this question. How far along are you right now? Most people, if we were honest, would be like, I don't know. But God does. But God does. If the Bible is true in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, his thoughts being higher than my thoughts, his ways are not my ways. Heavens are higher than the earth. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts above my thoughts. If he truly is who he says he is, the same Jesus of Revelation 1 and 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, then I must believe that when the God plan started, he was the same God, that right now, wherever I am along that line, he is the same God. And when it's seen to completion, he will be the same God. And I need to tell my heart that. Just like Nehemiah, that name meant the same. His name means the same. At the beginning, when I feel like I am in exile, when I am in the middle of it and people are throwing, when I am coming near the end, he is the same. I say that, church, because what God is preparing for this church, for this body where it's going to go and the things that we're going to do, it's crazy. The conversations that I have lately, you know how they're starting? And I told you before, I'll be talking to someone. They'll be like, I I just don't want to share that. That sounds crazy. You know what crazy translates to? Holy Spirit goosebumps. 
And usually it's like this with something that someone else has said. There are things that are coming as a result of the faithfulness of this body. Is it like God plays favorites? Alan says he's his favorite. It's that faithfulness says, God, I want more. God, I want more. And you can do it. If you'll stand, we're going to pray. at the end, correct? If you bow your heads. Father, right now, you see each one. And God, for those that need to be activated, I pray that you would activate them. Father, I pray that for those who have had a season of rest, that you would gently nudge them like a parent does. It's time to get up. It's time to move. And Father, I pray that as this body goes forward, that we would reach for all that you have. Father, I pray that we would not stop halfway. And Lord, I pray that we would see it through because your ways are the best ways. And again, I speak freedom over these people that we walk in it, that we speak it, that we encourage one another, that we encourage a hurt and dying world with what's in us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.